It is obviously another uh, cold and wintry day across Alberta. Uh, not just Alberta being uh, hit with some winter. They got some uh, severe snowfall. They're calling it in Vancouver. I don't know. Albertans might roll their eyes a little bit. But nonetheless, it is having a massive impact on flights uh, in and out of Vancouver. YVR, as they refer to it. No flights are departing. That airport, that is the latest uh, from Vancouver's International Airport. There are currently no flights departing YVR as we get passengers off aircraft and clear the airfield and aircraft of snow and ice to get planes and people moving again. So with YVR uh, essentially out of commission, that's having a trickle-down impact uh, certainly across Western Canada and even beyond. So on top of you know the travel demand, how busy it is right now this time of year, the weather we're dealing with here in Alberta, now all this this uh, impact out of Vancouver, uh, there's a lot of chaos. Let's put it that way. So if you are set to travel, you're expecting any travelers to be arriving, uh, just be aware of all of this. If you're heading to the airport, maybe you want to give yourself some extra time before you get there. Obviously, check before you go as to the status of your flight. So it's going to be a bumpy day for anybody traveling today via air. By the sounds of it, we'll keep you updated on all of that. Look, uh, the weather's having all kinds of impacts, clearly. But we're at the point here in Alberta where we're talking about dangerous levels of cold. And so a lot of concern, obviously, for those experiencing homelessness uh, to ensure that they've got somewhere safe to go. So there's an immediate challenge right now when it comes to addressing the issue of homelessness. But bigger picture, I want to delve into to this. What are we doing to meaningfully address homelessness? Is it a problem that's getting worse? Maybe there's a perception that it is. Part of it's becoming maybe more visible. These uh, encampments, as they're known, seem to be on the rise in major cities across the country. Uh, So what's driving that? And what does it tell us about the situation we're dealing with right now in Canada as it pertains to homelessness? And what kind of a strategy is necessary? Governments have talked for years about a goal of ending homelessness. We seem to keep missing these targets. And are we really finding policies that are making a meaningful difference? So what kind of an approach do we need? Well, joining us uh, for some further conversation uh, on all of that, very pleased to welcome the program uh, here this morning, uh, Gino Destastio, uh, a geography professor at the University of Winnipeg. Professor, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, when we talk about these uh, in- encampments, as they're referred to, I mean, it's kind of a different manifestation of, of what's already been there in-, in terms of homelessness. But why are we seeing uh, a rise in-, in these encampments, first of all? Well, it's kind of interesting because when we look not only in you know Alberta and Manitoba, even Canada, but across the United States over the last decade, we've just seen a, a significant rise in uh, persons experiencing homelessness, actually using outdoor sheltering as their main place to live. And, and that's actually shameful in a country like Canada where we think of ourselves as being prosperous, yet somehow people have been turned off or turned away from shelters and and housing and now find themselves living in uh, very dangerous encampments in weather that you've just explained that it is outright dangerous and that's something we need to address right so clearly then we're not addressing it as you see no and and i think the the auditor general uh, two weeks ago said the same thing federally that you know we've poured billions of dollars into strategies to end homelessness across this country yet we don't have meaningful ways to measure progress and tonight and tomorrow there's probably upwards of 40,000 Canadians that don't have a place to call home 
other than perhaps a tent or a space under a bridge or a cot in a in a shelter. And that, again, isn't something that uh, I think Canadians uh, want to tolerate. I mean, it shouldn't be an excuse for inaction, but, but it certainly is a, a complex problem. The, the reasons why people experience <coughs> homelessness, they, they do vary, and, and some of it does involve rather complex you know, social issues. Well, and absolutely, and I, I think what we want to really address is those chronic homeless individuals that are really struggling with, uh, whether it's mental health, plus addictions, and other co-occurring disorders. So we really want to focus on, you know, upwards of 20% of that population that's really, really struggling. And again, tonight in, in across the prairies, really at heightened risk of, of dying for no other reason than somebody experiencing poverty and without a home. That really should be the last reason somebody in this country uh, passes away, especially when we've got solutions. Well, let's talk about those solutions. And one of them is what's known as a a housing-first approach, which has been tried elsewhere. So what do we mean when we talk about a housing-first approach? Yeah, well, housing-first, you know, Calgary, in fact, was one of the first Canadian cities to really push housing-first, you know, more than a decade ago. And what it really does is, is get individuals off the street and into independent, safe housing, but then at the same time make available a set of supports and services that ultimately just work to keep that person housed. And again, that's it's really simplistic in a way, is individuals struggling to keep housing need supports to maintain that home. So Housing First teams are very specialized in offering access to all kinds of services, all geared towards well-being and, and keeping people housed. So, I mean, is, is that meant as, as sort of a preventative approach, in a sense, than those who, who are you know, currently in housing to ensure that they can stay there? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and the bottom line is always good for people to know is that for any Canadian tonight, struggling with homelessness, annually they cost anywhere from sixty to well over $100,000. But providing somebody with a home plus supports and services, all intermixed, including a housing subsidy, is around 20000 So I always remind Canadians that doing nothing costs more than actually doing something that's proven to be effective and proven effective in Calgary and in Vancouver and Winnipeg and Toronto and hundreds of cities around the world that have embraced Housing First as their primary mode to curb the number of people that are chronically homeless and struggling with uh, with mental illness and addiction. So the supply then, I mean, that's that's been a real challenge, just more broadly speaking about housing in Canada, or our inability, it seems, to, to provide sufficient supply to meet the demand, let alone being able to provide uh, affordable housing to address these kinds of issues. So, so where does the supply for this need to come from? Yeah, and that's the other end of the, of the real perfect storm that we're seeing, right? That across the country, we are seeing that affordable housing crunch. And that's across the board, not just for persons experiencing homelessness, You know, newcomers arriving to Canada, young families looking for their first home, uh, people looking to rent. So we need to work on the supply side to increase good quality, affordable housing across a range of of sectors, ownership, rental and, and public and private housing. So altogether, we need to do a number of different things, but it's things that we've been doing. But we've somehow taken our foot off the gas, and now, increasingly, Canada looks to Finland and other jurisdictions that are having success in reducing homelessness because they realize the investment outweighs the risk of not doing something, right? Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting because it, it, it's an issue where there's overlapping jurisdiction with municipalities, provinces, federal government. On the one hand, that could be a positive in terms of at least being able to, to share the cost of, of a response. But it almost feels like with so many competing levels of government, so much overlapping jurisdiction becomes an obstacle to, to doing anything. Yeah, and it can. And, you know, I mean, ultimately what I would prefer is if the federal government just transferred money, the federal government transferred money to the province who would then distribute it to, you know, community-based organizations, municipalities to really do the on-the-ground stuff. I'm a proponent of keeping the feds a little bit out of this beyond the transferring of money because the range of need and type of need across the country is so great that you're not going to find a federal solution to this. It's a local solution that needs funding by all levels of government and the community. We all have to want to do this. Um, but again, the solutions have to come from the community uh, that, that you're working in, whether it's Alberta uh, or in Manitoba or whatever jurisdiction, right? Well, and it's interesting because the federal government has its own stated goal of reducing chronic homelessness by 50% by 2028. Yeah. I mean, so that that's a lofty goal, but what are they doing to get us there? Well, they've you know put a lot of money into a range of programs, but as we've come to know that we really don't have the metrics to understand if we've made a dent, you know, and if, if in Edmonton right now there's 3,000 people on any given night really struggling, well, by 2028, then there should be 1,500 or less, depending mm-hmm. on who they're classifying, but we don't have some of that data yet which is kind of, again, in a way, shameful, too, that we should have really had all this in place before we embarked on a multi-billion dollar effort to reduce chronic homelessness with uh, a raft of programs that just don't seem to be hitting the mark. Yeah, even the Auditor General uh, herself said it's unclear whether these these initiatives are working. That's that's part of the challenge here that we just don't know. So maybe we do need to change our approach, but first and foremost, do we need to figure out how to measure success? And I mean, that's the sad part, right? That if we can't really measure what we're doing, how do we know that we're having a meaningful impact on perhaps some of the most vulnerable populations in in our country when we can't, again, transition somebody from an encampment in downtown Edmonton into safe, secure housing that avoids, uh, you know, frostbite and uh, potentially death? Some important points. We'll leave it there. Gino, appreciate your insight on all of this. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.